Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaben, and this is your recap episode for this week's Mexico Open. Joining me to break it all down, Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, good day to you. Good day to you guys. Mark, you're rocking a nice tan. I, uh, the weather looked nice out there in Mexico. <laughs> it is nice. Buenos tardes, gentlemen. That's Mark Immelman coming to us uh, straight from Mexico. Greg Ducharme rounds out our group for this evening. Greg, good to have you. Oh, good to be here, gentlemen. Uh, quite a week, as it always seems to be. Um, Mark, nice to see you again. I'm a little jealous, a little envious of that weather. We've been getting an entire weekend full of rain up here in, in Connecticut. So it was nice to kind of get away in my mind, get down to Mexico. But uh, I, I would rather have been physically there like mark mark let's start with your boots on the ground here uh Mm -hmm. set the scene for us as we enter this sunday filled with birdies the scoring average was the best it was all week long what what led to the ability to go so low today I, I think it was a culmination of the golf course just being in immaculate shape. I mean, you barely drew a bad lie ever. If you did, it was certainly something you'd turn your eyes up at. And and the greens were at a speed where you weren't really afraid of balls getting away from you. They were receptive enough where the ball would dig in upon landing and release a little bit, but you could pretty well gauge um, how far the ball was going to travel. And then you're getting good lies and the wind was consistently out of one direction all of the time. So as soon as you start to give these guys, guys of this sort of skill, conditions where they can kind of predict how far the ball is going to go, where it's likely to land. If they do hit an errant shot, they're not going to in too much trouble unless they're in some sort of a penalty area. And you know they're going to have at it. And uh, the winds were just enough to kind of grab your attention. I would say into the wind, maybe a club and a half or so uh, to, to bear in mind. Downwind was helping some. And then over the final nine holes, you got three par fives. And, uh, you know, with that sort of situation and these guys and all their power, it's going to be open season. So wonderful golf course, great shape. You know it's going to score well. And 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 thankfully for the fans here and the sponsors and all the folks on television, you had two titans of the game going at it. Uh, we did have two titans of the game going at it. But Patrick, I came on here last night and I built this up like I was Don King. It was, it was going to be a heavyweight bout. It was going to be a haymaker, counterpunch uppercut it was going to be a, a rocky-esque 
battle to the death. I think I might have oversold it. We'll, we'll get to how it played out, but it was a little bit more of a, a pillow fight. I believe the old saying goes, it's tough to follow up a great round with another one. Uh, Confucius possibly said that back in uh, back in the day. And yeah, you kind of saw that today. Some uh, some of the guys in the final group were just a, a hair off, I think, speed wise on the greens, irons, distance wise with their irons, too, especially uh, coming down the stretch as well. So uh, just being a hair off, even though the golf course was very accessible and giving up birdies, being a hair off on the PJ Tour, you kind of you kind of see it. Uh, very much a deja vu podium. We'll talk about how it broke out in a second, but let's set the stage a little bit here because there were some early movers here. Greg and Patrick Rogers. You know, I love to see this. Thursday, seventy. Friday, sixty-nine. Saturday, sixty-eight. Sunday, 64. That's getting better each and every round for someone that I think a lot of us thought was going to have a chance this week. Still looking for that first PGA Tour victory, going to a course that should set up well for him. A little slow out of the gates, but he finished strong. He did finish strong. Uh, and what I liked the most, and again, I was a little disappointed or a little worried maybe that what we've been seeing the last couple of weeks out of Patrick Rogers was more on the, the flash in the pan side. You know, whenever I see somebody make a big stride somewhere in one particular area of their game, for Patrick Rogers, for instance, throughout most of his career, uh, iron play has, has been the thing that held him back. Oh, always a wonderful driver of the ball, wonderful putter as well. Iron play has kind of held him back a little bit. And, you know, over the past uh, three to four weeks, his iron play has really excelled. Uh, at least at least for portions of tournaments. And then this week, he, you know, he loses strokes. He only hits 11 of 18 greens the first day, eight of 18 greens on Saturday. Um, and, and so it was kind of, well, maybe that was all just a flash in the pan. But then he comes out today and hits 15 greens and, and gains three strokes approaching the green, which was second in the field for the day. So I, I was really impressed with that. Um, and and it, it makes me feel a lot better about him going forward up 20 spots and finished in a tie for 10th mark speaking of a tie for 10th i'm going to use alejandro tosti to point out something that i think is very very important so he goes out he shoots a sunday 64 that's seven under par and gets himself into that tie for 10th now that tie for 10th is very very valuable most weeks on the PGA tour, but it is especially valuable this week because he is now in the Wells Fargo championship, a $20 million purse. So uh, not only is it, is it playing well, but if you play well at the right time, the event before a big one, you can even get yourself into a more valuable position. Yeah. It's uh, as our Patrick would call it a Desi. It's a big deal next week at a good golf course. And, and and that is kind of emblematic to me what happened this week for Alejandro and especially with a good round today, what the tour means to me. You know, you're playing, you're playing against the best. You have to bring your best stuff. And if you manage to find it at the right time, you could change your life. You could change your career. And he has a young man who was a good college player, University of Florida, um, highly touted from Argentina. I remember watching him as a junior way back. And uh, now after kind of playing on some of the smaller tours around the place. Now you're going in the big leagues next week. Now you're lining up against the PGA Tours Glitterati. And who knows, with coming off here with 64, uh, Quail Hollow is a big golf course. It's not the same as this place. Um, maybe he can continue the form and uh, really get this uh, 
2023 season for him going in the right direction. A great note from producer Josh here. Coming into this week, he had made only $31,995. So 32 k on tour coming into this week. Well, uh, did plenty of good work this week, 180 grand, and then another crack at it next week in an even larger purse for Alejandro Tosti. All right, Patrick. Um, I'm looking at this final group. I'm gonna save. I'm gonna save the 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 deja vu podium boys for a second. I'm gonna go to Akshay Batia. Akshay gets into the final group, gets a chance to look Tony Finau and John Rahm right in the eye after shooting a Saturday 63, follows it up with a Sunday 70, out in 34, in in 36. Didn't have the momentum. Uh, never never made two birdies in a row. Uh, just didn't have the good, good stuff this week or this day. He, he did look pretty sharp for all things considered early on. Two early birdies in the first six holes. Uh, I don't think you could have. If you told him that last night, he would have taken it in a heartbeat, in my opinion. Uh, but then you, you let seven slip by, which is, which is uh, a hole these guys were birdieing. And then around the turn, it got kind of messy there without taking advantage of the par five 12th as well. And then you know, kind of salvaged his round, got that fourth place finish with a couple birdies at the end. But, you know, I think it was said on the broadcast yesterday that Brandon Wu might have a bit of an advantage not playing alongside Rom and Finau and being in the penultimate pairing or a group. But I think long-term, this this is going to be huge for Akshay, knowing he can kind of look these guys in the eye. He belongs with these guys. And we've kind of seen from him in his very young career, he's only 21 still, what kind of golf courses he likes. I mean, you look at the runner-up in Puerto Rico. He won in the Bahamas on the Corn Ferry Tour. And you th- throw this golf course in it as well. So you get these Pospalum greens. He just implemented aim point with, uh, you know, Harry Hall told him to do it. And it looked pretty good through the first 63-ish holes. Uh, didn't make a ton today. But, yeah, this is a kid who's, who's going to more than likely be a multiple-time winner on the PGA Tour. Uh, and if he had somehow gotten past Rom and Finau, I think Zach Johnson should have just put him on the Ryder Cup team. Oh, golly. <laughs> Settle down. Settle. Does he pass your eye test, apparently? <laughs> yeah, he, he does. He does. He does. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. All lefties do. All lefties do. If I if I would have known Greg all it took was a little bit of uh, aim point to go from like 180th on tour in strokes game putting to, to leading the field, that'd be that'd be pretty good. But I, I do think that when you look at Akshay, um, you know, now Greg with a with special temporary membership status, he's going to be able to accept an, an unlimited number of uh, sponsors exemptions. He will not be in the playoffs unless he wins, which would uh, have him become uh, a full time PGA Tour member. But we're going to see a lot more of them. There's still, I mean, believe it or not, I know, I know John Rahm has already broken the money record or whatever, but there is a lot of season left and a lot of valuable starts coming for Akshay. Yeah, and you start to think about what happens in the summertime, uh, and and I think you're going to start to see a lot more events where Akshay can become a real factor. You think about uh, John Deere Classic and 3M Open and and Rocket Mortgage, and although those aren't Paspalum tropical golf courses, uh, I think they still give a player like Akshay a legitimate chance. Uh, and and I think those will be fields that he can really contend and compete with. And they'll have an opportunity to get more and more comfortable. Um, and, and I think he did show a couple things. He showed he can make putts. He, he did it today. It just, it was like today he wasn't able to make the birdie opportunities that he had, 
uh, but he was able to save the some of the longer par putts that he had to. And he just he c- couldn't quite get on the right cadence to build the momentum and just a little bit off. But all in all, I, I think he has to walk away uh, being 21 years old with a lot of confidence after this week. Oh, Greg, no doubt. Uh, what you say there is so well founded to me. And I didn't have the last group, but you know, you know what's going on. And he had surged up the leaderboard some there with a quick start and then through that middle portion of the golf course where it was sort of there to be taken by the scruff of the neck when you have holes like eight and ten was a brute all of them into the wind and you've got 11 the little par three and then that par five you play that stretch of holes and even and you pick up strokes and through there you could say he spilled a few with the bogey on nine the bogey on ten and then the bogey on um the other par three so so that was sort of where some of that you know final group gravity set in you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm close. I could win this thing. And your mind starts going fast. Now, I don't know if that was the case with Akshay, but it's the kind of situation where he will look at this and go, what a great day. What an awesome tournament. You know, I'm doing my career worlds of favors. But now I was alongside these two stars, really legitimate stars. I hung around for a while. I finished with a bit of a bang with Bertie there um, to, to uh, get myself into, I think it was fourth. But there's a lot to be learned, and now he knows what he's going to feel like when he gets in that situation again, if he does. And I feel like he'll be better equipped for it. So, look, he's got the tools. Now he's, he's building up that mental experience, that emotional you know, sensation of what happens under pressure. And I feel like this is going to be a real uh, feather in his cap. 18 under par for Akshay, solo fourth. Mark, I'm actually just going to bounce this right back to you because a lot of what you said about Akshay, I think – could have been said about Brandon Wu getting off to a hot start. Wu was five under through seven, including an eagle on six, maybe looking up at the leaderboard and realizing, oh my gosh, I'm tied for the lead. I can actually win this thing before it goes a little bit sideways with a bogey on eight and a, a double on 10. Uh, he still is able to put together a, a phenomenal week to earn lots of money and lots, lots of FedEx cups, FedEx cup points. I just thought it was uh, a lot of the things you were describing actually could have been said here. Yeah. A couple things. Um, I had his group today and it was fun to watch the start. I was out there watching him play and he was playing free. And then when you made that turn back into the wind, it looked to me like he was playing a little golf swing. He hit a tee shot down eight that was hugging the waterline down the right and was just okay. Then he fans a, a fade shot up into the breeze that stands up and lands in the front right bunker, and he makes bogey from there. And then Tenny rinses the tee shot. And the one thing about that sort of pulled across cut that he hits, it kind of noses up into the wind and then gets absolutely whacked. The wind gets hard. And, and he looked to me after that that he was playing a whole bunch of golf swing, making a lot of practice swings, taking a lot of time, trying to get the shaft shallower on the way, and da- the way down, to get the ball spinning a little bit less. Um, It was kind of tough, but credit to the man. um, He makes two quick birdies after the misstep there on 10. And then I thought, whoa, all bets are off. And he gets a bad break on the par five, horrid lie left of the fairway, the 14th. And from there, sort of, you felt like the air came out of the balloon a little bit when he didn't make uh, birdie there, because if he did, who knows? And then he's even closer. And then to finish with six on the last, that was kind of just how the final few holes went. But look, uh, 66, 63 here last year. Um, once again, had a big weekend. He's comfortable around this place. He's played well at Punta Cana, so he likes Pas Palam. It's, it's an experience for me, from my opinion, what I saw today. Well, he'll go, okay, I, now I really know what I've got to do when I'm in contention. Because last year's second, he was kind of out of it and just had that banner final round of 63 to kind of post. 
it'll be a podium for Brandon Wu and Patrick. The podium looks a lot like last year's John Rom, Tony Finau, Brandon Wu. We've only played two years of this event. Has has the Mexico Open, Vedanta Vallarta, has it has it entered the conversation for the stickiest course history on tour? It has to be. It's same <laughs> three guys to at every single version of this event. Is eight rounds too small of a sample uh, size for you right no, now? No, 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 plenty. What about this history? Uh, the first year at this course, the world number two won. In this year, the second year, the world number one came in second. So uh, the top names always, always rise to the occasion uh, at Vedanta. I actually did see someone, Patrick, on uh, uh, Twitter, obviously, where people go to complain that <laughs> – if John Rahm were to win, were to have won this, he did not, spoiler alert, he did not win this, uh, that we would have to put an asterisk next to it because this was not a this was not a big boy event. This was only the Mexico Open. So apparently you only get credit for majors when you win them. I think I was tagged in that tweet with you. And yeah, I was, was like, scene. I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? And there's people on Twitter right now, like calling Tony Finau like the king of these non-designated events. Like newsflash. <laughs> These non-designated events kind of just came around this year. This whole ske schedule is brand new. Um, but I, I, I digress. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. How about this one, Greg, John Rom? You get the big boy, John Rom. Four under sixty-seven. Uh, however, he started two shots behind Tony Finau and finished three shots behind Tony Finau. Birdies on six and seven. Birdies on thirteen and fifteen. He gave one back on seventeen. And he got that closing birdie on eighteen. It was too little, too late. How would you assess? Rom's day and Rom's week. Uh, I would assess it. Well, look, it, it, he kind of defines the week with yesterday's round, right? The course record 61. But what I find really interesting about these two days and these two rounds is they're, they're similar in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways. Um, he just made a lot of putts yesterday and didn't make them today. Now, when you when you hit the ball to 30 feet all the time, which John Rom did today, I mean, these are not poor shots. Some maybe a little less than, but, you know, it's, there's nothing egregious about this, right? There's no meltdown. There's no critical error. It's just he didn't get it close enough. He didn't give himself really good looks for birdie. Uh, and, and 
all of a sudden when those putts don't fall, it, you, you make your birdies on, you know, pretty much the par fives. Now the blunders not taking advantage of uh, 12 and 14 would be, you know, those would be the, the mistakes. And ultimately if he does that, he puts himself right in the mix of this tournament. So he's, he's not far off a couple putts go that went yesterday and all of a sudden um, he's, he's right there with feet with Fino and the, this, this tournament down the stretch really changes. So I, I think he is probably ruining more than anything else. Uh, the, the fives at 12 and 14. Um, but this is what we talked about last night, right? You never go with the guy who's, who gets into the final group because they shot 61 and made 156 feet of putts, right? That's it's very hard to replicate. Uh, and, and he replicated that round without the putts going in. Uh, and so uh, look, I, I think all in all, it's a high quality week. He played a lot of really good golf. He made just a couple more mistakes than Tony Fino in the early, in the early rounds, especially. Um, but it, again, it's nothing egregious. It's, these little tiny, you know, not getting up and down from just short of the green on one of the, one of the par fives he did on Thursday twice. Um, you know, these, I'm not going to call them easy shots, but you know, more routine basic shots from the fairway where the three feet and all of a sudden it's a bogey instead of a par or, or, you know, he doesn't give himself a birdie putt. On, on a couple of the par fives early in the week. And that's ultimately what cost him. Tony Fina did a much better job in the first three days on the par fives than John Rahm. Uh, Greg, I would add to that. Uh, I, I was gobsmacked at the number of missed clubs he and Adam Hayes had. It's like they were misreading wins. He had balls of one line that seemed well struck that would come up well short of the target, well long, and it happened more often than not. And the only day it seemed like I was out there on the call for that 61 yesterday. It seemed to me like he was decisive. Every club they pulled was the right club. He seemed like there was only once was on 16 where it was between clubs, but he, he pulled the right club all the time. And then by his own admission, he said in round one where it was over par early, he felt like he misjudged a number of second shots and they were either long or short with the iron game. And to me, the iron game is always his calling card. And then he figured it out yesterday. And then once again today, they were misclubbing a lot. And he was hitting shots where he was kind of staring the thing down and would miss its number. And and so that was curious. And it's something that I feel like maybe they'll go and look at. He's got a week off. He's not playing Wells Fargo. And just kind of line themselves up now for a major championship charge here as we would lead into the PGA. Because when you get to those conditions, you know, left and right control is one thing, but distance control is another. And the more important the event and the firmer the conditions and all that kind of stuff the more important it is to hit the ball the right distance. And he was missing a bunch with the irons. He he did say, Mark, on the broadcast, can I get one club right? <laughs> can I get one no or something something along those lines? Yeah. So he was he was definitely feeling that aspect too. Uh there was one other thing that I don't know if I dreamt this or not. So I've got to open this up to the group. So let me go back. Mark, when you win the Masters, do you donate a club? One of the clubs from your bag to the club. That is the tradition, yes. Okay. So it is my understanding, and I think I gathered this from something I heard on 
PGA Tour Live on Thursday, and then also putting all of this together. I believe, from my understanding, John Rom donated his eight iron uh, after his Masters victory. And on Thursday, Patrick, I don't know if you were sick enough watching this on Thursday morning, he hit like back to back eight irons early in that round. They were way off. And he said something like, this isn't right. Or like, we got to get a new one or so. So whatever, whatever eight iron they replaced it with the specs, he was not super thrilled with. And it just kind of goes like, it was, it seemed to be like just club or number issues all week long. Oh, by the way, he still finished second. <laughs> yeah. I heard, uh, on Sunday that he actually donated his entire iron set. Um, so maybe really? that's why no, I'm, I'm joking. Oh, okay. oh that's <laughs> dang. That was, that was, that was over my head. Sorry. Um, but no, like to Mark's point, he definitely misclubbed a, a ton of times. It was completely, you know, uncharacteristic for that duo. You saw it there on uh, 17 to end the round there today. He thought he was all over it and he was like a good club short. They went, you know, went over to Colt. He's like, I can't believe he just tried to hit a six iron there. Like that, like that needed to be a five all day. Uh, so yeah, obviously the eight iron on Thursday. Personally, I did not catch the coverage. I was off on Thursday, so I enjoyed my time away. I uh, went to the beach. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it panned out throughout the week. But I know early in the week uh, we were talking about, you know, Greg said he just didn't, you know, get the job done early. Hit one in the water on nine, the par three as well. That's two strokes right there. You can't really get back, uh, especially when, you know, Tony Fina was just tee to green this place to death. Speaking of hunky Tony. He goes out and shoots a Sunday 66. That is five under and plenty good enough to become your 2023 Mexico Open champion. Tony Finau, rounds of 65, 64, 65, 66. Greg, we talked about it last night. Uh, I'm I'm happy to announce uh, he objectively played the best the best golf all week right i mean he was phenomenal yeah. from tee to green he rolled the rock he did not have one insane round with a lot of win luck or any it just tony finau was the best player this week it wasn't particularly close though some guys made it interesting and tony finau gets another victory yeah, I, I think he did a couple things really well. Um, he drove it better than he's been driving it this year, which I think really separated himself. Uh, and that allows him to lead the field in TD Green, right? And then you, you think about what happens on the greens, and this is also where it's been a little hit or miss for him this year. Uh, and and this week, it really it, it wasn't really hit or miss. Uh, he had an off day on Saturday, uh, but you know what? He still shoots what. Uh, six under yesterday. So again, you look at this golf course and we joked yesterday, this is a par 66. He goes out and shoots even par today. Uh, and, and I think he, he did a really good job of adding what I called all week, the bonus birdies, right? You get a birdie at number one, uh, a birdie at number five, all of a sudden you get through five holes, uh, under par and you got six and seven coming up and you're in great shape. You're, you're in phenomenal shape with the three par fives remaining on the second side. Um, you still got all four ahead of you, and, and he's at two under already. And he's leading by this point. So he, he it, it removes a lot of the pressure. Um, but what I thought was really cool about today's round and probably the most notable takeaway for me was when things got a little difficult. Uh, so he gets to number six. 
hits his second shot into the green side bunker. Lee, it gets an awkward lie and leaves it in the bunker. Uh, and, and that's kind of where things could get really nervy. He doesn't get that up and he makes six on a par five. That becomes a big problem, a big problem. And, and, and he gets it up and down. So he makes five feels like a bogey, but makes five takes care of six, uh, seven. And then on eight, he's in real trouble again. And now, you know, Brandon Wu is in the picture. Uh, John Rahm is much more in the hunt. And, and this thing, he starts to open this up to the field if he doesn't convert both of those up and downs. Uh, and he holds it from off the green. And then from there, he's back in, I, I can just cruise. Uh, I, I can rely on my my ball striking, which today, probably more than any other day, he had to lean on a short game uh, and, and was able to. It was six for six and scrambling. So best tee to green player all week long. Uh, but But I think today, the key to actually sealing up the victory was a short game. Yeah, and I think, Mark, that's a really good point that Greg makes. There, there were moments where the door was creaking open a bit. Maybe it was John Ra, maybe it was Brandon Wu. Uh, but throughout, Tony looked stoic. He looked in control. He took the the bad breaks or the the spots of bother in stride and took his medicine when he needed to. And it, it seemed. As you know, I, I know this is not stress free, but he made it kind of feel a little stress free today just by watching him out there, watching his play, watching his demeanor. I, I thought he did a very uh, just all around solid job. Yeah. Tony, the tournament winner showed up, you know, the guy who we all criticized or not necessarily me, but some of us um, criticized when he wouldn't close events out because the, what he's learned to do ever since that little run he went on midway through last year was make putts, make saves that mattered. Because you know, we know he's got the length to make his share of birdies. But when you're coming down the stretch, you hit a poor shot, gets gusted by the wind or whatever, you misagree, and then you have to make one of those four, five, six-foot putts to not just keep the lead score-wise, but to maintain your own momentum. Because if you make miss one putt coming down the stretch, ordinarily you'll get bowled over by a handful of guys. And he made a number of putts yesterday from that five-foot range, he made a couple beauties today that slammed the door basically on the competition. And I mean, I want to point to that up and down out of the greenside bunker, which was not easy on 16. Third to last hole, it's not nip and tuck, but if he makes a mistake there, then you never know with a par five on 18. Makes the beautiful save there. He made another save back on the other par three. So it's what he's learned to do. He's figured out the play around the greens. He's always been a tremendous ball striker. That's No one can argue that. But now, just like Tiger, just like the guys that win, Jordan, Spieth and company, they make those putts when they need to. And so as a result, you're able to keep the score intact and hold the momentum. That momentum leads Tony Finau to his sixth career PGA Tour victory. But Patrick, maybe more importantly, his fourth win in his last 19 starts. I don't particularly care what they are. Technically, they are the 3M Open, the Rocket Mortgage, Houston, and here in Mexico. Four in 19 is stellar stuff. Yeah, following the, the five-year drought, 142 <laughs> starts, he has five in his last 41. So one in about every eight since the summer of 2021, uh, which is pretty damn good. And it, it's really just, look, some of these guys just mature at different ages. Uh, we, I mean, we saw it with Phil Mickelson, right? When he won major championships, he wasn't 
uh, until 33 when he won his first. I believe Finau's around that age right now. So this day and age with more and more young talent coming out like a Batia uh, and you know Jordan Spieth winning so many major championships when he was young, Justin Thomas winning when he was young, Colin Morikawa, uh, it, it is easy to criticize someone who's not getting the job done right away. It is. Uh, I mean, we're a, a take industry. You did, can, did you say you five? Argue. Did, yeah. Did you say five and 41? Yeah. It's like 12%. Yeah. Pretty good. That's like, <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. One in every eight. Yeah. Uh, wow. After not being able to close, but Yikes. today was really just a masterclass of how to play with a lead. Uh, I mean, when you just put so much pressure on your opponents from T to green, they can't make a mistake. And if they do, you pick up those bonus birdies, like Greg said. And, you know, the one on eight was just huge. That par save where he didn't really hit a great bunker shot 18 feet from off the green. He knocks it in right when Brandon Wu was kind of getting going. Uh, John Rahm was right there as well. But it, it was extremely impressive. And then you look at yesterday as well, 65. I don't think he made a putt outside five feet at all. Um which just goes to show you how good he was from tee to green. So in this maturation process, even though it is a bit later than his peers, the next step is obviously major championships. And with one on, you know, the horizon here at Oak Hill, a long golf course where, you know, his strength and his tee to green acumen will be able to rise. And he does have the experience. He's a, he has a top five in each of the major championships already. He's been in the final group before you think about Shinnecock Hills when, you know, him and Daniel Berger kind of blitzed the field there on Saturday and we're in that final group. Uh, so yeah, it, it does seem like that. He's the fourth multiple time winner this year, but he doesn't really get in that kind of crew with Rom Scheffler, uh, Max Homa as well. Who's won the, you know, big events like the Genesis Invitational and the Wells Fargo as well. So I, I'm with you, Rick. I, I don't care what events they are. Winning's, pretty damn tough on the PGA tour. And I think Fino has proven on the big stages that he can kind of compete and stick with these guys, uh, you know, with the majors on the horizon. Um, as my ode to Kyle Porter, I'm going to do it because I, I feel after your observation there that Kyle would do this. All right, Max Homer or Tony Fina, who's a better player and who has the bigger career? Cause you, you know, that's our target uh, Kyle role. So, yeah, so what's your answer to that question? I'll take Max. That's a good question. I, I'll take Tony. Okay. I'll take Tony too. I'm with you, Greg. Patrick? I, I think. Well, go ahead, I, Patrick. I think I would go with Max. Mm, split decision. See, I, I think Max has a, a bigger step to make in the big events, in the majors, where Tony, as Patrick just mentioned, you know, he, he's shown that he can be a, a factor in them. Has he shown he can win them yet? No. But I, I think he has shown more ability in big events, more contention in big events. Uh, um, and by big, I'm talking about majors, right? Because um, uh, Max Holman has played great in big events, just not majors. So when we get to that level, I think Tony's shown the ability. And, and the next step is just crossing that finish line and getting a win. And I, I, really, I really think he can. And he's got a weapon with his power. I mean, uh, no one has, has acknowledged those two freaking rocket three irons he hit into the 10th green, which was playing yeah. was 500 yards on the card, playing playing like 540 into that wind. And he smashed three iron down there and hit a three iron in the heart of the green. There are 
less than that many guys in the world's game that can do that sort of thing. And he's one of them. And when you get to the big events, that's what you've got to sometimes do. He's super accurate off the tee. He drives it on a string. He's got that new ball that he tees the thing way down with a driver and hits his flat fade. He's got a beautiful trajectory on the irons, a little draw that he hits. And he's figured out what he does around the greens. And I must say this. I don't know what the numbers say, but whenever I've called him, the guy is dynamite from the greenside bunkers. And the one thing I learned from Gary Player was on Sundays at majors, they tuck holes behind bunkers. So if you're going to play offense, you've got to be able to make saves from the sand. And Tony out of the sand is stout. So I'm kind of leaning towards Tony Finau. In the, in I, I will say, I will say uh, Tony does not get enough credit for – I mean, he was never just like a, a, a one-skill guy. He, he always had the distance. He was always – but but he has he has really become a, a solid all around player. The short game's phenomenal. He can he can roll the rock. I will say this, and Patrick, this is this is my argument for Max Homa is that honestly the most the most likely outcome is that neither of these two guys ever win a major. That that's the most likely outcome. Wow, that's so sad. But it's true. <laughs> I, I I know. And I would say that about a lot of guys. Right, it's not. It's not just these two that fall. There's only four of them a year. Yeah, only four. Four year, and there's a lot of good guys. So the most likely outcome is neither of these guys ever win a major championship. They both have six wins right now, which is why this is such a great comp. Mark, hat tip to you, Patrick. Right now, Max Homa's resume smashes Tony Finau's resume. Uh, In the win department. (laughs) What what else? What what else do we care about? Well, you know, Wikipedia top tens and majors and whatnot. I thought this show cares about strokes gained. I'm hearing strokes gained from and, and podiums. I'm, I'm I'm generating I'm generating some convo here. I, I I like I like since I am in the Max camp as well. I like his ability to rise to the occasion a little bit more. Finau's wins have kind of been, you know, he, he's out in front. Uh, Houston, he was out in front. Rocket Mortgage was a record-setting performance. Uh, you know, this week he was out in front as well. Max, when he's in it, when he's in it, he he has proven to be able to hold putts when it matters. Uh, you think about the iron shot, the four iron on 16 at Torrey Pines, that par three, making that 15 footer after Colin Morikawa poured one on top of him, huge. Uh, so I think that's why I give the nod to Max because he, he's he's proven it a bit more, I think, down the stretch with the putter. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna punish uh, Tony Finau, Greg, for for boat racing the field and winning from too far out in front. I'm not gonna. I'm not it's, gonna punish him for it's, that. It's the Scotty Scheffler argument. You know, when's the last time he made a clutch putt? Yeah, <laughs> he makes them Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is when he makes them. Uh, I will say this though, Greg, in our sample size of one, these two have battled in the playoff, and Max Homa won it. Uh, see, that was part of the learning curve for Tony Finau. Okay, this is it, that was a big part of it because he would, and I was hard on Tony then. He had plenty of opportunities to win that golf tournament and let the moment slide, and he's figured out how to not let the moment slide. Uh, and and this is the thing about when you start boat racing a field, right? Like like we joke, when's the last time he made a clutch putt? Um, but the <laughs> it just cracks. It cracks Every me up. And Friday, but it's something to think when, about, you know. When Xander Shoffley wins chasing, the question is, well, when's he going to win with, with the lead? You know, that's like the next step. And uh, so, 
I just, I love his ability to play with a lead. I, I do think that's a really difficult skill. Something he has figured out. Something Max Homa helped him with back at the Genesis there. And um, also, you know, Tony Finau has 10 times more top 10s in majors. And I'm a big yellow square guy on the Wikipedia page. And Tony is boat racing Max in that category right now. I do want to say one more thing, too, because winning these big events is certainly you need physical skill, but you need mental and emotional acumen as well. And, and Tony Finau mentioned to me, like when he decided to bring his family on the road last year, didn't play very well initially and got criticized heavily. And I'm certain by a certain, I'm certain also by guys in this uh, show criticized him for doing, making the decision, but you know, he just stuck to his guns. Now he's out there. He's got the family and he's got life really in perspective. And the guy played this par three course, just out of my hotel. Yeah. There's 10 holes there holes here, every night. So it speaks to how he's like, He's, he's golf Tony on the golf course. He's dad fun Tony over here. And apparently he loves golf too, because I got to tell you after I've, I've played 18 holes, PGA tour tournament pressure, then to go and play 10 holes on a par three course, I'd be like, not on your life, but this guy must love it. And he loves being around his family. So he's got that, that emotional ease about him because he's got that side of life taken care of. He is uh, golf Tony. He is dad Tony. He is very hunky Tony, and he is your 2023 Mexico Open champion. Gentlemen, we will recap our best bets. We will recap, Mark, our one and done selections, and <laughs> we will do that after a quick word. And we're back. I'm actually looking at the outline. I could skip that. Does anybody want to talk about Taylor Gooch winning Liv? No. Nope. The Gooch is loose. Um, I will say about Taylor Gooch, uh, you know, the news kind of resurfaced about the USGA and changing F11 qualifying criteria, which is is the the, nerdiest thing you have ever said, uh, which is the (laughs) players who qualify for the tour championship get into the U S open. Right. Uh, but this year it was those who qualify and are eligible. So Taylor Gooch was the odd man out because he was deemed ineligible. The only one, by the way. I don't understand why this news is coming to life now when in February we knew about it. Um, I guess just because he's won back-to-back tournaments, but there's that. He has to play well at the PGA championship to most likely get back inside the top 60 in the world to get in the U S open because he's not doing uh, sectional qualifying. Gooch goes back to back. Um, I flipped it on for, well, it was on tape delay and I, 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 they, they have an opportunity. I, I don't want to do this right now. They have an opportunity and they and they blow it every time. Okay, let's recap our best bets. That's usually how we uh, we always have an opportunity and we blow it every time. Could be the name of our best bets segment and our our wagers here. But we did an okay job this week. Um, Patrick, you got on the board with a plus two fifty. Joseph Bramlett top twenty, in which you you didn't you didn't give him enough credit. You could have gone to top ten here. Yeah, we're, we're kind of just zeroing in on this eye test model, Rick. Uh, and Joseph Bramlett was this week's case study, and it proved to be a fruitful one. So very excited uh, about the, the progress we're making. How about this one here, Greg? Kyle won his matchup. It was Tony Finau plus 190 over John Rahm. Imagine, <laughs> imagine 
a scenario where you have the guy who wins over the guy who finishes second. It's usually the other way around. It's usually John Rahm over Tony Finau. You beat everybody in the field except for the guy who won. Yeah, this uh, this one takes guts. I, I give a lot of props to Kyle for taking that one. Um, and look, it's a great number for Tony Fina to beat one guy. It's just that that one guy's John Rom, right? He's won four times this year. The defending champion won the Masters as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I understand the difficulty, but I love the guts, and I'm glad it paid off for him. I got Emiliano Grillo over Alex Smalley, Dylan Wu top 30. Mark, you got a Sunday scary here. Yeah, Andrew Mark. Putnam, Andrew hey. Putnam hmm. lost on Sunday to Steven Yeager by five strokes and finished the event one shot behind. That's that's the Sunday scaries. Didn't he like bogey two of his last three holes as well? Putnam, he that is. did, and then he part eighteen, which is like the easiest hole in the golf course. So yeah, he lost. He lost like a ton of strokes to the field over his last three holes. Yeah, and I had a, I had Rom for an outright. After that sixty one, I'm like, wow, he's looking good. But I was a bit concerned because there's always that equilibrium, you know, where you have this outlying round, and then you know there's going to be some regression to stroke average, and sadly that helped happened a little bit. Um, I was disappointed with Sean O'Hare. I really was. He had like six under or something in the first round. And I saw him, honestly, at the bar that evening when I sent you the video, Rick. And I was like, nice round, big guy. This is looking good for me. And the next day, I see him with the bags being packed. And I was like, I actually didn't know what to say to them. I'm like, Are you really? You missed the cut somehow? Maybe so, he had so, too many drinks at that bar, Mark. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I guess. So uh, Sean O'Hare uh, missing the top 40 was th that one I'm also disappointed about. Uh, our best bets, which included two different NFL draft selections and which one of them was our only winner. So I had Augusto Nunez top 40. He finished T 60, no 69th by himself. Benny on being top South Korean fell to SH Kim. Yeah. Did no. you see what Kim did today? He shot like 64 in the final round to beat Ben on. He did birdie 14, 15 and 16. Benny on, uh, yeah, finished two shots behind him. You got pretty, you got pretty unlucky here, Mark. Mm. I was looking okay for a while, yeah. Was looking okay. Horse Mark, you're, you're starting to sound like a real gambler. I yeah. like it. Is that reeling you back in? Um, yeah. Uh, Kyle told us that Will Anderson would go second overall, but that did not happen because somebody tell me what actually did happen. Uh, he went third. The Texans. You know, they easily could have picked him second and then C.J. Stroud third. But uh, Oh, because they did trade up. They had back-to-back they had -back picks. So yep. it didn't even really matter what order it went in. Oh, Tough. man. That kind of stinks. Tough. Uh, well, Patrick, if, you're, if you're in a fantasy draft, like a snake draft, and you have back-to-back -back picks, do you put any you're, – you're taking two – it doesn't matter what order they are, right? I mean, matter. I no. do it alphabetically. That's the weirdest way. To that is yeah. uh, Texans might have done that by first name. So there maybe. yeah, first name yeah. alphabet alphabetized. Patrick, you did indeed. You are now an NFL draft tout uh, and you have gotten us on the board because you told us on Tuesday afternoon, like a fortune teller that you are, that the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers would draft an offensive lineman with their first pick at plus 135. And sure enough, they drafted 
an offensive lineman whose name I do not know because, <laughs> but, I, but because it's green on the sheet, I'm going to assume it happened. Yeah. Dual threats, all the rave in the NFL. When you think about quarterbacks. So I figured I dipped my toes in uh, golf and football just made way too much sense. Uh, I don't want to, you know, kind of tuck down on the NFL boys at CBS and their mock drafts. But if you need an insider for the Pittsburgh Steelers, my services, my number, they're all available. Broderick Jones out of Georgia. Big old boy. Yep. Six, five, three, eleven. His hands are 10 and five eighths inches. <laughs> sure. His <laughs> arms 34 and three quarters. Is that the length of his arms? Or the width or the circumference of his biceps? Probably no circumference way. of his it's biceps. Speaking of big old boys from Georgia. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, right, Falcons with the eighth pick. <laughs> and Jalen Carter is still on the board. And I'm like, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. No, it didn't happen. They're the running back from Texas. Where did, did Jalen Carter end up going, Mark? Uh, he went the following round to your freaking team, and I was so aggravated. Oh, dude. I nipped you. I nipped you in the draft, and I'm gonna nip you here in the one and done in a second. We're gonna it's we're gonna get there. So goodness, big week for me. All right, one and done. Whoa. I've been waiting all show for this one. So let's start. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Two and a half million behind. <laughs> I'm sorry, Greg. Uh, we have to start at the bottom, and that is yeah, where, that is yeah, where, hit me. That is where you are. You had Ches Reevy, which on Thursday yeah. was great. I tell you, I legitimately felt really strong, really strong about Ches Reevy. Uh, I wasn't going to take Rom, <laughs> obviously. Um, I'm I'm saving him for something. I'm I'm also saving Tony Fino, who I loved heading into this week. I decided to save him which could still be the right choice, but it's highly doubtful at this point. Um, so, yeah, I went down to the, to the next obvious choice, Ches Reevy, on a heater <laughs> coming in. I loved where he was. I really, I did. I just, I said, hey, I'm just going to go with it. Um, and I'm still in the cellar. I'll tell you what, on Thursday, I was like, holy crap. I, I, <laughs> I think I kind of made fun of Greg for that pick, and now here he's going to. Hey, Greg, while you're here, I actually apologize on Thursday because when you made, made that pick on the uh, on the Tuesday show, I was like, somebody send help for Greg because apparently <laughs> yeah. he's, he's lost control. He's, he's, tank, he's tanking. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, he's going for the first pick. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not tanking. Jez Reevy, 19,198 to move Greg's total to uh, almost just a hair below 6.1 million. Patrick, uh, you, Kyle, and Kyle M, you were in a Kyle M's, you were in a Kyle sandwich this week, all had Gary Woodland. He earned uh, 30,415. Kyle M goes to 9.66. Kyle Porter goes to 7.1. And you, Patrick, go to 6.7. This is kind of just one of those scenarios when you're growing up, when your mom tells you not to touch the hot stove, but you do it anyways. Yeah, uh, you knew what was going. Yeah, you knew what was going to happen with Gary Woodland. I think he was third tee to green and dead last putting. Yep. Uh, so, I deserve it. If anything else, uh, I wish he would have just missed the cut. But like Greg said, he should have. I, I don't know. Like, I still got fee now. I'm glad. You know, I said on the show on Tuesday, I really like him, but gonna wait. Rom, yeah, gonna wait for something. 
it's for, for something for, for what <laughs> <laughs> the rider the rider cup at this point uh so uh yeah panic mode definitely definitely nothing's changed here when, when, you're, at, panic. when you're at a restaurant and the waitress or waiter puts down the plate and says be careful this is hot do you touch it or do you not absolutely greg <laughs> i touch it mark uh touch it I touch it every time. I did it. I did it like two nights ago. I was. I just want to see how hot she thinks it is. Exactly. I, uh, That's very Woodland. I, I thought you were gonna say when you know she asked you for your order, do you panic change? Uh, which do, I do know. Sorry, I know ahead, people. Greg. I know people who do that, and it's really funny. I'm pretty do, uh, committed. Do you look me. ahead at the menu beforehand? Never. Or... No. Really. No, well, you know, um, one of my tricks is I, I always look for the menu item with the name of the restaurant in it. Because <laughs> uh, that's usually, what they're known for. Yeah, usually <laughs> always. So if they have it, it makes it very easy. I just go with that, and it's it, it it's rarely bad. <laughs> this is it makes so much sense why Greg once went into a Trader Joe's, looked around, couldn't figure anything out, just left. <laughs> The br- look, the brand's important to me. Seeing <laughs> uh, Najad missed the deadline for his pick and didn't, uh, which is the second or third time that has happened. So Sia Najad uh, retains all of his golfers, but earns zero dollars for this week. Mark, you and the fans were on Wyndham Clark, who actually rallied to earn you anything. Played well late on Friday, had a 13-foot birdie putt to make the cut. He turns it into $62,000, but it's not much. You know, Rick, if it wasn't for a pint-sized pain in the rear end, I would have won the week. (laughs) And that's you, by the way. And the fact that you were looking, at because I was watching the scoreboard too, going, oh, please make the cut. And I eventually just gave up because I went to dinner. Then I saw your tweet. I'm like, Rick is actually watching if my guy is going to make the cut shot on Friday. By shot. Yep, shot by shot. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I, co- I actually spoke to Wyndham last night. They were heading out to to uh, the restaurant. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> he goes, yeah, I'm fine. My shoulder's a bit sore. He said, I made a practice swing and I could hear my shoulder click. But he, he goes, it happens all the time. So I think I'm okay. So I'm like, well, cool. Go play well tomorrow. And thankfully he did. <laughs> so, so maybe I must find my pick for next week and tell him to go and play well on the weekend, please. Yeah, there you go. Give him a little word of encouragement. Well, uh, as pointed out, I did have Tony Finau. It was worth $1.38 million, So I'm up to 12.1. I'm still, Mark, it's still $2.5 million that I'm behind. I'm just trying to stay within arm's reach here. It's more than two and a half million dollars, and you're well outside of arm's reach. You got a little going to go. So two point seven. Yeah. <laughs> you're <laughs> Desi away. At that two hundred thousand uh, dollars, all of our guys in this league would have loved to have made two hundred thousand dollars this week. At the paltry thirty thousand and such, we've been cobbling together. It's been terrible. Two hundred thousand is like a tie for thirtieth next week. Yeah. Big boy, twenty million dollar purse. Wells Fargo Championship, uh, which 
will be John Rom doing everyone a favor by not showing up so someone else can win. Scotty Scheffler will not be there. So wow, we are really we are really going to get a, a, a new winner next week. Basically, everybody else is there, and we're going back to Quail Hollow. So, should so what are the early what are the early one and done leans? Are you keeping your cards close to your chest? I can't tell you that. I'm I, picking I, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> full panic mode <laughs> I, I i've already used gotcha. him i've already used him hold on let me see if you've already used him mark if you've used him I, i'll tell you i've I'll not tell you. used rory I've no, not, no, no no i'm thinking of rory before. see the guy that you the guy that the pick the pick you have not used him yet mark no so, yeah, no i haven't I, I save rory for the tour championship every year no it's not rory uh mark's gonna use cameron young it's not rory there's a guy who who you should play. I know. Should I tell you who I'm going to play? Yeah, just toy with us a little bit. Yeah. I'm, play, I'm, I'm playing Justin Thomas next week. You're definitely playing Justin Thomas next week? Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> this, guy, this guy's good. If I had Victor Hovland remaining, I would use him. I've got him too, but now I'm saving him. There's a major championship I've got him earmarked for. I've got a free 3.6 million for you if you use Victor. Oh, all right. You think he's going to win? Yeah. I may as well. He's what is what does Quail Hollow want from you? Uh, really great well. ball striking. Be a great ball striker. Yeah. He's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. He's played what here. Do you, what do you think about Ricky? Okay. Ricky's. Behind Rory, Ricky's had the best strokes gain numbers of anybody at Quail Hollow. Yeah. I just don't know if – like using – I don't know, man. Using Ricky at a Desi feels – I guess it's it not feel, it, it feels like a way to get you back in it, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like a lone wolf opportunity. You'll definitely be the lone wolf. Yeah. That's all I'm going for. I, I do think point. he's going to play great. Like, like if we do our finishing positions, like Ricky top 10 might show up on my card next week. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's probably not the one and done play. It's tough for one and done. He's been great, Mark. He's been great. He's crushed it at Quail Hollow. Uh, yeah, I know. And 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 yeah, he's he's one of. I remember my pencil things in my and yes, my. I've actually got my book right here, in my book. Oh. You know my pencil writing. I have him listed down there as an option. There's actually there's obviously yeah there's a there's some there's some good options for next week. Mark it, just it's flash that on without Rom and Scheffler. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. we can't pick Rom. We can't pick Shovel. Who could possibly win? Right. I mean, it, it's kind of cool. And you have questions about Rory. Haven't seen him since Masters, right? Mm -hmm. it, it just, it's not, obviously you love when those guys are there, but it, it just really opens it up for picking, which is cool. Hmm. All right, gents. I think that's going to do it. We're going to let Mark get out of the country, get back in, get back in and, uh, when do you fly back, Mark? Tonight or tomorrow? 6 a.m. flight tomorrow morning from Puerto Vallarta to Mexico City, and then I connect to Atlanta. Mexico City had a baseball game that had like 15 home runs. Because Did you see this, Patrick? The over-under was like 21 or something. Yeah, so far, then, the ball goes forever up there. It went over, yeah. They're at like 6,000 feet of altitude or something. Yeah, it's, high, it's higher than uh, Denver, right? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. All right, that'll do it.
We'll be back next week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for all your golf needs. But for now, big thanks to producer Josh. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald available on Twitter at amateur status. Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. Greg Ducharme, the real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.